Good morning, church. Happy Sunday. Thank you to Dan for leading us in worship. I'm just thankful for you guys through this whole journey. And I just wanted to express that this morning. I was just praying and thinking about our church and the body that is here. And it's been difficult. But I'm just thankful for you guys and thankful for Jesus. And I know at this time with our hearts and our minds, it's easy to feel maybe empty or even apathetic at times. And I just pray for the softness of our hearts and for us to be open to uh, the work of Christ. I know it feels like things are dragging on here in Ontario, but uh, you know, look at Jesus and be grateful for him. So I'm just thankful for you guys as well. I just wanted to mention that right off the top. Now, for those of you who are new, last week we, we looked back at the cross at Easter and, and kind of Jesus defeating death uh, through his resurrection and saying there, there's actually something that happens with events that are so big that we kind of don't know what to do with them. You know, I was just explaining, you know, I'm, I'm getting married here soon. I'm going to sit there. What, what are we doing? What do we do now? I don't know. This is crazy. Like everything changes now and that's actually kind of difficult. So there are events that are so big that kind of just leave us with that what now. And at times the cross uh, feels that way to us. It's so far, but it's so big that we don't really know how to apply some of the things that happen. And that just is normal, actually. <laughs> and so that's what we did. We kind of worked through a little bit of that last week. And we actually discussed that we can change. We can discuss that change is possible. And again, the world is obsessed with this phenomenon because of the reality that we look at someone like Tony Robbins or these self-help books, these improvement books, and, and they're after something. They're after change, but they lack something. See, the cross says that we can change not because we're mustering up the willpower, <laughs> right? Like some of these guys want you to think. They're helpful with what a lot of they say. There's practical stuff, but... We change as Christians because we've been connected to the cross and what happened with Jesus' death and resurrection. This is just amazing. See, the verse, one of the verses we were looking at was Colossians 3.1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So since we've been raised with Christ, since we've been connected, we can actually do that. We can actually set our heart and minds on things above because we've been connected to the cross. So the cross isn't out there. It's, it's linked to us. Paul links us to the cross, which is good news because change is possible. What a truth that the Christian can change. Huge. Now today we're actually going to be looking at forgiveness because on that cross we see the ultimate act of forgiveness and how we're, we're going to live that out in light of the cross. See, the good thing is for us, Jesus actually struggled with what was going to take place with him. He was in the garden and he was struggling with what was going to happen. I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen. And it was the reality that we would be forgiven that kind of pushed him through some of his toughest moments. And so that's what it's going to feel like with forgiveness for us. Sometimes it's just going to be like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and so Jesus in that human, human part of himself really resonates and understands with that tension of walking through with an act of forgiveness. Now, Jesus did it on a cross and it was horrific and crazy. A painful place. 
that no one's really ever experienced before. And even on the cross, he gives out forgiveness. Not only is the cross the place of forgiveness, but he's, he's talking it out of his mouth. For he says in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So we've got this amazing uh, uh, preaching by Jesus on this thing. He also says earlier in his walk with many of the disciples, so we're going to look at some of those things later too, but to start it off, He's talking with Peter. Peter comes up to him and says, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? That's a pretty good number, right? Jesus says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. See, is that just being walked on? That just sounds like to me, in, in my mind, that just, you're getting walked on all the time. You're just, you're just laying yourself down. And I think actually what the key here is, one of the key things is it's actually... There's more freedom in forgiveness. There's actually more freedom in forgiveness. When you lay it out, there's actually more freedom. So Jesus is saying, you're actually becoming more free when you forgive. So our posture as Christians in light of the cross is to be people ready to forgive with a heart posture of forgiveness all the time. The truth behind this is that, again, Jesus was able to forgive us in the middle of a really horrific event that he was going through. And that is the command. It's really hard to do it at times, though, I think. I think there's that tension for us as we look at some of these commandments as they feel sort of impossible and stale and hard and like they're just judging us because we'll never be able to do it. It doesn't always feel that easy, but there's beauty when we're able to forgive. You see, there was a man who lost his brother, a Christian man who lost his brother. Uh, it was an accidental thing that happened. This is a long time ago now, and I was looking at this story going, wow, this is a really interesting story. Loses his brother. It's, it's just a horrific event. He's not sure what's going on. Gets to that moment where things are kind of ready to be decided on what we're going to do. We go forward with this person. And the brother says to the person who took his brother's life, I don't want anything else to happen to you. Bad. I don't want anything else to happen to you. That's bad. I just, I just wanted this, this to end. And so here's, here's a, my, one of my favorite verses. This is what the gospel is. And he actually asked if he could come and hug that person who took his brother's life. And the judge, being Christian, also had a Bible and was witnessing this going, this is insane. This is like insane. And the judge also gave the Bible to the person. See, what we're, what we're kind of dealing with here is that the gospel gets brought into our situation when we choose to forgive. It becomes clear as day when we choose to forgive. And that's what's on the line here. We're people who are living in light of the cross, ready to forgive because the gospel has a chance to, to speak into our, our moment when we do so. When you forgive someone, you're, act you're actually acting like Jesus. You're acting otherworldly. It's like, I've never experienced this before. You allow for the good news to be brought right into this space 
where maybe in this moment when you're this brother sitting there going, I can't believe I'm going to do this when there's so many other things inside of me that don't want to do this, but the gospel could be proclaimed. That's what's at stake when we're talking about forgiveness, when we do forgiveness. It's other people are seeing the story of God sort of unfolding in front of them because other people's perception of God is at stake, especially since we carry his name. And something that I was reflecting on as I was kind of thinking about these things is, man, one, okay, I just want to say this is difficult stuff. Real forgiveness at this type of level is really hard and we're working on it. And the person you've been hurt by the most might be the person who could come to Jesus. And we've got to hold those two things in tension. It's like no one is too far from the gospel. Even the person that you have been hurt by and are having a hard time extending forgiveness to. That's hard to say. It's hard to actually drive deep into our hearts or to our, the marrow of our bones. That's hard to get to. I get that. You know, and there's actually people who, it's just kind of a side thing. There's situations that are so harmful and, and so damaging that we, we, know we don't need to invite that person back into our lives. Again, necessarily, but we need to offer them forgiveness. This is maybe where we bring our Christian community in, where we reach out to others to talk to them because it's really difficult, where we cry together, where we look to our community, our leaders, our mentors, our pastors, our friends, our husbands and wives to help each other out. Sometimes we just need help being guided back to the cross. You know, but with deep trauma and pain, there, you know, we need to maybe help others in their process of forgiveness. It's not going to be easy or perfect. And, you know, if you're at home saying, well, there's something that's actually so crazy, like bring people into that. Bring people into that and allow them to help you get there. You see, in Acts 15, there's actually an incident that occurs between two people working for the gospel, going in different directions, you know, saying, we're going to actually move in total different directions. We're never going to really associate with one another again. So we're not going to go back into each other's lives we're going to forgive one another and move on. And not be, you know, like we maybe used to be or have this relationship that's super close. You see in Acts 15, 36, 41, and I'd invite uh, you to turn there. It's between Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. It's a very interesting story where we see kind of these two approaches and so here I'll read 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they're doing, how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John Mark. Paul thought best not to take with them the one who'd withdrawn from them and had not gone with them to work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. So they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Mature way to part. This is a mature way to part. What this didn't mean is let's 
part ways and I'll just shred you for the rest of my life and talk down about your, what you're doing, Barnabas, with John Mark, who left us. He abandoned us on our first missionary journey. How are you going to invite this guy back? And Paul is, has this influence maybe over Silas where he's saying, can you believe Barnabas would do that? That wouldn't be a part of Paul's speaking about this situation, okay? But they move on in a mature way. See, <laughs> there's a story that this makes me think of. I was in grade five or six, and we love to play poker, Texas Hold'em, at recess. So we bring our cards, you'll get all set up at recess. We played a lot of other things. Sometimes we play mini sticks or basketball or whatever, anything we could do to get active. But then the winter would come, and sometimes we'd play this game where we just tackle each other and basically play basketball. But we couldn't do that all the time, super, some super cold days, whatever. So we started playing poker, and we actually had rocks that we were using to sort of bet. And it was this funny moment in grade five or six where we were learning how to play Texas Hold'em. We're betting all of our rocks away, and you know we're just learning how to play and all this stuff. But we got to a point where we could play, and we could understand what was happening, and the chances of winning a hand and all this stuff. And that was fun. Now, there was a friend of mine who wanted to learn how to play. And my other buddy taught us, all of us, how to play. But he wouldn't teach this other guy how to play. He just wouldn't do it for whatever reason. He said, I, we, just, we need to play right now. We've only got half an hour left. I can't just teach you how to play poker because it's going to take the whole recess and we want to play. And so what happened is they parted ways, you know, like Paul and Barnabas here. They went their separate ways. But what happened in, uh, in grade five, what usually happens is ill will is being thrown uh, from side to side. And I remember being kind of in the middle of this situation. And if I'm over here, well, why'd you do that? And he said, well, this, this, and this. And, and then I asked him over here, well, why don't you go back and just say, can you please teach me how to play? No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. This person did this, this. So they're throwing heat across to one another. And that's not, and again, I got to give ourselves a little bit of grace here. We were in grade five or six, but that's the example that came to mind of what not to do. You know, just, we, they, you could part ways with someone where you need to mutually move on, but you do it in a way where forgiveness is handling the, the heat that's going back and forth. And you're not just sitting there going, ah, well, this person, that, this person, that. Paul wouldn't have done that. He would not have done that with Barnabas and John Mark, he would have left it and said, look, I don't want to do work with them anymore because they've, they've, uh, I don't want to. I just don't want to. But I forgive him. But you don't have to bring that person back into your life again and maybe the same way. But there can't be hostility or gossip or slander coming from your mouth back to that other person. That's not what Paul would have done here. I can't see Paul with Silas going, well, hope it doesn't, you know, I don't know how it's going. Just, Paul would just say, I'm not talking about it. And in his heart, he would have had to forgive them. But there was a mutually, a mutual walking away. And we see a, two mature Christians, Barnabas saying, actually, I kind of want to mold John Mark. And I understand, Paul, why you don't want to. Disagreement, move on. See, what we have in this instant is a decision by two church leaders and who they wanted to work with. Paul thought it unfit to work with Mark. Again, as he'd shown this kind of retreating and they made a mutual decision because they couldn't agree with each other. And in a way, I think they're both right about this instance. Paul didn't think it a good idea to work together, obviously for those reasons. And Barnabas, as I said, wanted to mold John Mark. So they went in different directions. And here's the great thing about this whole story. 
One, in Colossians, Paul talks about John Mark again, which is a great sign at the end. He talks about John Mark. And actually, in 2 Timothy, Paul says a couple great things. He requested only a couple things at the end, and this is just before Paul would have died. Timothy, come soon. Bring Mark with you. And bring my cloak and books and the parchments. <laughs> but bring Mark with you. Paul wanted to see Mark one more time before he passed away. That doesn't sound like someone who has hostility to someone that they had, they had to move on from. They decided to go separate ways and that was okay That was okay for them. See, being a part of one another's lives isn't always wrong. You don't have to go back to that moment where it was, it's perfect and everything. In some moments where you, you have felt uh, offended or you have felt really hurt and it's uh, a situation that you need to move away from and so you have that ability to move away and offer forgiveness. And here's the thing. Do you not think that Paul would have thought about this all the time? Paul would have thought about this with John Mark all the time. I can't believe John Mark did that. I can't believe he did that to me. I mean, this was like the, person, the most personal thing you could do to Paul is talk about going on missionary journeys because he'd be sitting there, no way you want to go on a missionary journey with me, dude, of course. Like, do you love Jesus? Yeah, let's do it. Like, he loved these things. He just did it all the time. This was his life. You don't think he thought about this. This comes up and would have come up in his heart, but Paul would have had to learn to let it go. You see, with all types of forgiveness, small or big, those things from the past hurt us and they might come up again and again and again. You can't tell me this wouldn't have happened in Paul's mind where he thought, oh, man, I, I, that's tough. And it's obvious that he had thought about Mark because he writes about him later at the end of Colossians and the end of 2 Timothy. I think we've all experienced that where we think, well, I, I've forgiven this person and it keeps kind of coming up again. It's in my heart again. I keep thinking about it again. It comes up constantly and replaying in our minds, maybe bringing pain up in our hearts and causing us confusion. I thought I forgave this person. I thought I was done with this. Here's what you do. We're going to look at some verses from Jesus. You start dropping it. You just have to drop it. You see, when it comes up, you can't go back to that place of pain. Like you're literally separating maybe by not having uh, attachment to one another in the same way you used to. If there's a problem, right, that is, you know what, we need to kind of go our separate ways in a healthy way with forgiveness like we're talking about here and then you, in your mind and heart, just separate those things and don't go back to that place and start to drop it. Forgive them because you don't need to revisit it. Don't revisit those memories that cause you pain. Forgive that person. Forgive that person. Forgive that person. Forgive that person. Move on and drop it. You see, that doesn't mean we're not hoping for ultimate restoration we are we're hoping for ultimate reconciliation and the way that plays out is totally dependent on the situation see this is a process 
it's not just a one-time thing. It might be a multiple-time thing where we're learning to drop it and drop it and drop it and drop it. See, as I was reading through Jesus on all this, I was so struck by the command to forgive. So that means we got to forgive all the time. And this is Jesus. I'm reading through Jesus. I'm going, whoa, there's some implications to what you're saying. Jesus says all over the Gospels, forgive so that God can forgive you. Forgive so that God can forgive you. I'm just sitting there going like, whoa, this is heavy. Here's a couple. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Luke 6, 37. Here's Matthew 18, 21, 22, which we read at the top. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus said, no, 77. And when you stand praying, another verse, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. That's Mark eleven twenty five. 25. And this is Matthew 6, 15. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Just the implications are crazy. So Paul and Barnabas, yeah, they got to go separate ways. But they had to forgive one another still. And Paul to John Mark, who felt totally abandoned. He had to forgive them. Big time. So you could move and have your own lives where you're mutually deciding to go separate ways. And that extension of forgiveness has to be there. Jesus makes it clear. So Paul would have to handle this verse and say, well, yeah. Gotta forgive this guy. Here's the thing, their hefty commandments, our forgiveness here on earth has eternal implications. That's why Jesus says, forgive and drop it right here, right now, because it has eternal weight. So read a couple of these verses. If you just read them in a in a row like this, you're just gonna go, Yeah, okay, I gotta drop this thing. I gotta drop this thing. You know, oftentimes too, with us, we talk about forgiveness. We're talking a lot of the times, at least I find for me, I'm talking a lot of times about what other people have done to me and not what I've done to other people. We've got to flip it around. What about when someone comes to you and says, hey, you hurt my feelings or that was wrong what you did. What do we do there? See, we've got to own it. We've got to explain maybe for a second where we're coming from and say, hey, I didn't mean to do that. But my bad, I'm sorry. I had a friend a while back. We had a, just a, a miscommunication with a bunch of friends. We're trying to, this is a, a while ago now, and we're trying to get something working out and miscommunication. And they said, hey, do you mind jumping on a phone call? I said, sure, yeah. And he said, hey, you know that, what you did, it kind of hurt my feelings. And I said, wow, yeah, okay, I can see how that happened. And I didn't really maybe want to say that right away, where I thought, yeah, I guess you're kind of right. But you come to that position where you say, yeah, you're right. That's my bad. I'm sorry. And own it. And own it. Many times, again, our heart process actually has to do with what other people have done, done to us and not what we've done to other people. And not how we have acted to other people. And I think owning our stuff is a huge part of living in light of the cross. And owning our side of the story is a huge part of living in light of the cross because we're humble. Our, our heart posture there is humility. It's a lot easier when you just say, my bad. You know, people, we gotta be people ready to forgive 
Because again, the gospel has a chance to break through in a moment of forgiveness. And we got to be willing to say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. See, the gospel is actually about the restoration eventually of all things in one way or another. All things being made right again. We believe that when we see Jesus say, I'm going to come back and make all things right again. We're going to be talking about that in the next couple of weeks with Pastor Ken's new series on, on Jesus and the, the end things. It's going to be good. Anyways, we're getting a glimpse into what God has for us down the road when we start to act out forgiveness. When we forgive, we're actually acting in part with the restoration of all things. The gospel breaks through in those moments. It shines clear as day in dark moments like that. When we put aside our hurts and pains, the gospel shines in. I picture it just like a dark room. A dark room. And then all of a sudden, beams of light are piercing through the darkness. The dark mist, you just see these beams of light that are flooding in. And all of a sudden, when we do forgiveness, it's just all light. And that is amazing. That's amazing when we think about that. It's like, this is a dark moment and I'm bringing in light we start to take place in heavenly, all-time, restorative things. See, our posture as Christian, again, is people ready to forgive, people ready to say we're sorry, and people ready to display the gospel to other people. You see, trying to get even you know, when it comes to kind of this other process that happens maybe in our hearts where we are trying to get even and make things kind of one for one, there's actually an entire genre of movies, revenge movies, based on these types of things. Movies where the plot is about getting even or going one for one or just making things right in a total human way that has nothing to do with God's sort of thoughts here. What happens when that's over? When you're done with the whole thing and you get back at that person, well, what next? The situation gets grim. You see, for many of us, it's actually the little acts of non-forgiveness. See, we look at these, these huge movies or these big moments of revenge and, wow, it's like I'm not murdering anybody or I'm not getting back by murdering someone or killing someone. I'm not, I'm not doing that, but it's our little act, our, our, hot posture, our heart posture with little things around unforgiveness that I think is actually also being challenged here. See, sometimes it, we can say, well, it's not a big deal if I hold out against this person in this way because, well, it's just, it's not like this revenge movie. If the things that others do cause us to think or treat someone differently and it's just a little thing, we got to analyze that too. You see, there actually can be almost advantages when someone does you wrong in a, in a, in a little bit of a twisted sense because you might be able to try and hold something over them. You ever have that happen where you're sitting there going, well, this has happened to me a few times. And so now I can hold it over them. This is counting score and you've got two over your head and I've got one over my head because you've done me wrong twice and I've done you wrong once. And man, oh man, that isn't it. No record of wrongs when you fight. 
We can't just sit there and go, okay, well, when we're talking about this, well, you did it twice and I did it once. That's not going to solve those problems. This is probably where most of our issues are going to land. Just small little disagreements or little grudges, little hurts that we hold on to. And we might have little scorecards for every person. And it happens in small ways. See, given COVID, this is going to take place you know, right in side of our homes at times. I got to say, I've experienced this where I've had to say, man, I, I got to talk about this. I got to talk about this with those that are close to me around me and say, we got we to discuss what's happened here so we can figure this out. And this starts with our entire structure of our families. And the beautiful thing about coming to this place in our own families is that it's the example that we set about how to do forgiveness when we and our children and whatever move out into the world. When it's displayed properly, it's a special thing because your kids move forward or your nieces or your friends that come over and see it happen or say we're forgiving one another, whatever it is. Sometimes the situations get so real and so in front of people and they get to see that process and it actually starts to trickle down into the hearts of the whole family and it becomes a beautiful model for how we do forgiveness everywhere. So it's not just these big things like these revenge movies where we say, well, you know, I know obviously there's nothing really that person's getting if they just pursue revenge for the rest of their life, but it's our little heart posture. It's easy to let this bickering go back and forth. These little back and forths go and take place right in our homes. And that's been the challenge for me. When I've seen forgiveness, it's like, wow, uh, especially over COVID, I, I got to I got to be ready to, and willing to do this right here with the small things, with the small disagreements, with the small hurts and pains. Because if I do it well here, the chances are I'll, do it, I'll continue to do it well. And when I own it here, I'm going to do it well out there. When I own it in the small things right here with the closest people to me, I'm going to do it well as I step out and face other things in the world. See, these last few weeks we've been talking, these last few weeks, pardon me, we've been talking about the cross and how an event so big, so cataclysmic, so massive, that it's almost hard to know how to bring it into our lives. And what we've actually started to see with these two kind of talks we've, we've been focusing on is that we've been linked to the cross. We've been linked to it. Never forget it. There's a connection or a power that lives in you to defeat sin in your own life, to change and put off the old self, not because you're working harder, but because you've been connected to the power of Jesus on a cross. That is the way we first live in light of the cross, to see that we're actually attached to it. See, this affects everything. This even affects our power to forgive others. Today we're looking at the commandment from Jesus, the posture of forgiveness and being ready to forgive, to, to say, yeah, I'm sorry and own it. Because the gospel might work in those moments and like a dark room, beams of light start to shine when we bring forgiveness in. The cross, this massive event, is brought into our day-to-day lives in these two examples. 
See, this is what we see with forgiveness. I mean, one, we got to do it. So Paul and Barnabas, when they went mutual, they went their own ways. They got to have forgiveness for one another still. Tell them they could just have hostility. Oh, there's Barnabas again. This guy who left me for John Mark, that can't be it. Or me with my buddies when we're playing poker. Well, he didn't, that's, Jesus has a strict sort of, this has eternal implications. Forgive and let go because it's going to remove the poison in your own heart too. And Ken's mentioned about that many times when we talked about this. But that doesn't mean it isn't a process. And depending on what's happened, that we maybe need other people to come and be a part of our process in letting go. It's not just about being walked on. That verse, it sounds so much like, well, they're just walking all over me. But it's not about that. It's about freedom and seeing that that's actually the path to greater freedom. We forgive because, again, it has eternal implications. And we live in this posture of forgiveness all the time because that's what the cross is about. We live with this heart posture of forgiveness, humility, willingness to say, I'm sorry because of what happened on that day 2,000 years ago. That's taking the cross and bringing it into our situation. That's how we've looked at how we see the cross and our, our sort of linkage to it. We've been linked to it through Jesus' death and resurrection. And now we see that it is, one of the things that's shining on is our posture of forgiveness, that we'd be ready to forgive all the time. I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. So, church, live linked to the cross. Read those verses and remind yourself you're linked to it. You can put off and put on. And live in light of the cross with a posture of forgiveness in your life. All the time. As the gospel, it breaks through in those moments. We live in light of the cross with a posture of forgiveness because it's exactly what Jesus did. And it's a part of eternal restoration here on earth. It's a part of heaven getting into earth. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you did 2,000 years ago. But you know what we've been really doing is sort of magnifying a couple things these last few weeks just to say, well, what does this do to our day-to-day? -day? How does this actually change every day how I do things? An event so big, so powerful, it's hard to see how it breaks into our world and what it does. And we see in your servant Paul that it actually is linked. You've linked us to that day. We're connected to that day because you died and rose again. And we can what we learned last week was we can actually put off our old self and put on our new self. And today, Lord, we're looking at the cross and what happened there with the, the most amazing act of forgiveness we could ever see. And we just see there that that's the posture that we have to live our lives in, ready to forgive, humble, because we've got to ask other people to forgive us when we make mistakes, because it has eternal implications. It matters because the gospel breaks into those situations, those dark moments. And when we forgive and maybe mutually go other ways, we've still got to forgive that person. We still have to have forgiveness to that person. It doesn't do if we're just throwing hostility back that way. And we thank you again for Paul and his many adventures and for Barnabas 
and for John Mark, who at the end of his life, Paul wished to see John Mark again. And that speaks volumes. So Lord, may we live out a posture of forgiveness in our day to day and especially in our homes and model it in the small things in our homes. Lord, may we walk those things out. We just pray all these things in your name. Amen.